Say It Skillfully is about being who you really are and saying what you think needs to be said, even at work. Whether you're part of a small project team or leading a giant company, the more you accept that you're part of the problem, the faster you can be part of the solution. Join Molly Chang today as together we break the silence and learn how to be happier, healthier, and more productive at work and in life. Hello, Molly here. Welcome to Say It Skillfully, helping you find the words to create shared reality in a way that's true to yourself. Today, we'll start with a question from my LinkedIn community. Tom has observed leaders are often challenged to get safe space and manage all egos in a room, and he asks for techniques to help. For sure, psychological safe space is necessary, though insufficient to hear all voices, especially the unpopular or bad news. It's insufficient because even when people know a leader wants to hear, they won't share if they're worried about looking bad or offending someone. Safe space, married with skillfulness, is what's needed for people to actually say it, which is why we're here. The point is, I may offer words, and your opportunity is to adapt it to what works for you, to find your authentic voice. Now, safe space, or I heard recently brave space, is an entire group's responsibility, though the leader, of course, has a pivotal role to reinforce the vulnerability that's a must for trust. So two techniques. First, do as I do. So be vulnerable. Saying, I don't know. I don't have the best answer. As I've shared on my videos, Alan Mulally, who led at Boeing and Ford, was very transparent. You can ask me for the answer. Very unlikely I'm going to have the best one. You can also show vulnerability by sharing times when you struggled. These tough times are what's made us who we are. And being open about them is a really clear signal to your team. Now, another technique, while you might not like the bad news itself, be positive and openly acknowledging people for speaking up. Might sound like, thanks so much for speaking up when it may not have been easy. And I want to encourage all of us uh, to do the same thing because it's the only way we're going to do our best work together. So for teams, if embracing bad news is a big change, encourage the meta skill of lightness. Make it light. You create prizes. You know, make it a joke. Um, but create uh, an environment where people want to, to change the behavior. And just to summarize, one, walk the walk of being vulnerable, and two, be explicit. Don't leave it to chance that you think your team thinks it's safe. Now, around how to manage all the egos in the room. The first opportunity is creating shared reality around the outsized egos getting in the way. By the way, ego itself isn't good or bad. Ego can serve to um, really serve us, like asking for what you need, advocating for your point of view, and also not serve us if it corrupts our decision-making. Now, you might say, I understand at times we have decisions and you may feel at the short end of the stick, but we need to be aligned around our group's success as primary, not the individual agendas. I haven't been clear on this, so I want to spend some time on this now. So you can use my trick of the scale of one to 10. On a scale of one to 10, to what extent 
do we think everyone's ego is in check? And then you can start to bubble up without making anyone wrong or bad. What's the number that they come up with? And it gives everyone transparency for what's going on for other people in the room. That'll start to have people just opening their eyes to it. The next question could be, what's big ego to you? And, you know, what may be a big ego to someone else may not seem to be at all ego-oriented for another. So this is an opportunity for some members to gain greater self-awareness and for others perhaps to lighten up what they perceive as big ego. Now, as a leader, you know there can be a tendency for people to jockey for position. I mean, that's just inherent. So when there are decisions that may serve the, the whole, but um, not the individual a department, just be really upfront. I like to use the headcount example because often everyone's jockeying for headcount. And it's an ego thing. The winner gets the most headcount. Marketing may be, do a better job with their story, but research needs the headcount. So it doesn't serve the whole if marketing gets the headcount when, when research really needs it. So to recap, I want to make it crystal clear. There's no I in team, and serving the whole is our primary focus. So, Tom, I want to thank you for that question. And um Happy to help you if you want to follow up. So let's uh, turn to our callers. Uh, let's uh, welcome Brian. Brian to the show. Well, Brian, thanks for joining me. Good morning, Molly. What is on your mind today? How can I help you? Well, really, <clears throat> Molly, to be very, very honest with you, um, my scenario is just uh, the fact that I'm I'm feeling extremely blessed to have found you and uh, your uh, radio show and your podcast and all the things that you do on LinkedIn because it absolutely fits with my personal journey. Well, that is so kind of you to say. I'm very humble. Tell me about your personal journey. Well, it's um, it's a it's a long scenario, and um, to say things skillfully um, as you <clears throat> promote is uh, of huge value um, to me as a person because we as leaders sometimes there are many of us who don't understand how strong our words can be. So we must understand that first and then work towards developing our own skills with regards to using our words. And to have a coach is absolutely invaluable. And that's what your work has done for me. Oh, I'm, I'm really grateful for your sharing and I'm thrilled because this is what lights me up. And you highlight, Brian, that whole notion of the self-awareness, the aha moment. Wow. You know, I, I'm perhaps landing for my people in a way that isn't what I think it is. And um, we've talked about this notion of being in great relationship with yourself you know, first and then being able to put yourself in other people's shoes. Can you share with us, if you don't mind, because I think this is normalizing that we're all learning, growing um, examples perhaps of when you weren't quite as aware and perhaps the impact on the team or those around you? 
Yeah, there's there's a there's a myriad of times in in my career. Um, um, one that I can <laughs> that I remember just like yesterday, uh, and it's an embarrassing thing to me, but I'm not uncomfortable because you know no one no one knows it other than me and the people that were on the the bus from O'Hare Airport down to the hotel in Chicago and. It's many years ago, 10, 12 years ago, and I was speaking to someone on my cell phone. And when I hung up, several people approached me and said, wow, we cannot, you cannot believe the language that you used on that call. And it was completely disrespectful to everyone on the bus. Everyone could hear me. And I was just like, I just melted inside myself. Oh my gosh. And, you know, those that at that particular point in time, I realized that my words and the tone of my voice and such were just something that I needed to be more significantly more aware of. And since that particular time is when I've just tried to very be very, very careful with the words that I choose. I've also learned to, I'm, I'm teaching myself to react more slowly and take time when I do receive bad information or, you know, less than beneficial information and choose my words accordingly. And it seems like a long time to me, but I think it's not such a long time in the true real world. And I know that it's helped me, um, from a simple respect standpoint from the other side, the other side, I believe gives more respect because I've chosen my words more carefully and it is a journey. It is an absolute journey, Molly. And I just thank you for being part of that journey. Yeah, it's really, it's great. And I appreciate your being really open because this is a, you know, people ask you sometimes, what, what's the number one thing that you think needs to happen, you know, with groups and people around the world. And I do believe it is empathetically understanding what it's like to be in someone else's shoes, right? The marketing department doesn't understand what it feels like to be the finance department. And it seems like such a basic thing. And it means that we have to get out of our own our own shoes, right? To be able to do that. Right. And then the people ask for what's the next thing? And I say, you know, if every leader, if every leader and throughout an organization, I call it through to summer intern, said, gosh, how am I part of the problem? Then, wow, we would be in a whole new place. And it seems, you know, and every leader I talk to, by the way, no one's denying that they're not somehow part of the problem. It's just that that simple step of saying it is so powerful because it signals to people, wow, the big boss realizes that she or he might play a role in this not being perfect. And I guess I quite, I guess I'd ask you was there was there a point where you kind of felt like you needed to be perfect, and so that if you said those kind of things that would be a bad thing? Because I'm wondering, you know, what that the journey to get to where you are, some of the the baby steps along the way. Well, as a leader, people are always coming to you for answers, and you know, another epiphany that uh, that was brought to my attention was if you keep answering their questions they're not going to begin to solve their own problems. So that was a bit of an epiphany for me. And then 
and that took me away from being the supreme being, you know what I mean, in, in the company that I run here. And, you know, we've, we've gone through a quite a journey from 50 people. We're back down to 20 people. So, you know, it's, I'm at a point right now where we're ready to basically relaunch and I'm excited uh, about the opportunity to continue to grow myself, but also to grow the people on my teams. Um, and I think one of the ways is I'm going to ask them to literally listen to your radio show. And then we'll have a brief discussion about that. Like literally it's a five or 10 minute discussion, but how valuable will that be to me and to them to have that awareness of the words that they use and how to use those words, as you suggest, skillfully? I love you for this. I think that's so great. I want to call out a few other uh, CEOs that I've worked with who've reached out to me on LinkedIn. I, I circulated the video and it caused, it was a great conversation. And the beauty of this is the shared reality of, wow, some of these principles and concepts were all part of the problem. We need to get to shared reality. Um, you know, how you say something really matters. When you float that around, it's amazing how a seemingly little thing, literally you snap your fingers and it can really change the dynamic for people. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm curious if there's particular phrases you're using now. I mean, this is a chance just to kind of help our listeners. Uh, particular phrases that you use if someone comes up to you and they're asking you for the answer and you don't want to give them the answer. How do you respond, Brian, to kind of help them feel empowered but also realize, look, I'm not the answer man. You know, if I'm the answer man, we've got bigger problems in the company. Yeah, yeah. I, I, hear, you, I hear your question and I have a couple of examples. <clears throat> One in particular is they come to me and say, you know, we've got this, this, and this. And I say, well, if we have that, that, and that, what would you suggest would be the best way to work that out? oh, I don't know, that's why I came to you. Well, for you to come to me is, is okay, but I'm not helping you grow, so why don't you just come back to me with at least two ideas? And then another one, this is a phrase that I really struggle with myself, and it's the phrase, I don't care. I don't care is a very, very forceful phrase. I don't care about this, I don't care about that. I do not use that phrase anymore. When that, that phrase will go through my mind, in our mind's voice, you know what I mean? And then I will say, I'm not concerned about that right now. Let's look at this. Very powerful, simple word choice. Uh, and how did that, how did you have that epiphany? That's, that's good, Brian. I appreciate your sharing that. Yeah, it's, I think, I think really it's just a self-realization. Um, when someone says that to me, it's, it would hit me very hard. You know, when you analyze it, I don't care. You just want people to care. You want people to care about you. You want people to care about others. And if someone doesn't care, oh my gosh, how huge is that? So I just, to me, when someone said, I don't care, it just affected me. So I said, just, I said to myself, realistically, I can't use that either because it affects me that way. It has to affect others the same way. And I just, I've taken it out of my vocabulary. 
uh, my verbal, let me say my verbal vo- vocabulary. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, just because of the simple power of the words don't and care together. Oh my gosh. So it's in a lot of my team will actually know that those are the words that are going through my mind because I've actually told them because I'd rather that they do not use those words either. I'm not concerned about that right now. I think the focus needs to be here. It just, it comes across completely differently. I love how you're connecting the dots, and I want to point that out for listeners. Oftentimes we do something, and we're like, hey, we're doing it. And that next step of just connecting the dots and letting folks know that, you know, I'm not using this word, these words and I'm helping you to not use these words reinforces the learning. And oftentimes people think that's a little basic. However, I've seen teams where if you just don't connect the dots for them, they don't quite go full circle. Um, how, do, how have you made it safe, Brian, for people to give you um, feedback about ways they may want you to improve. And where I'm going with this is often I hear folks say, well, you know, we want the company to grow, we want our team to grow. And for gosh sakes, if the leader uh, and the leadership team isn't pretty clear on how we're growing, I don't feel like you have really that credibility to ask everybody else to grow. So I'm curious how you handle that with your team. Um, it's, it's a really good question because I struggle with it uh, I struggle with it desperately to get them to understand. <laughs> don't don't get me wrong. This is this is an amusing comment that I use. I, I pull my pants on one leg at a time, and I'm just like them. But I've I've had coaches and and such, uh, you know, advise me. You know, you're not like them. You are their leader, and it's tough for them. And it's a job for you to basically work to have them understand you are just like them and you're in this together with them. You know what I mean? Um, some of the things that I do, for example, and I, I truly enjoy it is I cook meals, uh, for them. Like when we have a company event, I always do the protein. Um, and I barbecue it, I smoke it, I grill it, I do it in the crock pot, whatever, but I always do the protein. Um, so we, we, we put our company events around which protein Brian's cooking that time. Right. Um, and it's something that I just really enjoy and it's, it, I, I think it puts us all at a similar level. I love to cook, they love to eat and we enjoy a meal and to sit down and have a meal with a group of people to me is valuable. I will, I will not sit with the managers at the meal. I will sit with everybody else and I try to sit with the group, you know what I mean? As a group, I don't just sit with the managers, those kinds of simple things. And I, I think that that's working. That's fantastic. I was just actually with my um, former CEO uh, out in California and, you know, this is a person who can fly pretty high, um, but you would never know it when you watch him in a manufacturing plant, he'd go in at 7 a.m. as every, all the guys are getting coffee and just chat with folks. And, you know, they they actually didn't know him any other way. Uh, but to create, yeah. to have the range to create that kind of relationship, of course, is pivotal to be able to get the kind of information that you could get because people are really honest with you. Um, and I don't think mm-hmm. people realize sometimes, sometimes how they might come across. And I, I share this example because I was in my first summer internship in, in DuPont, on, literally on a manufacturing plant with steel-toed shoes. And um, I 
you know, <laughs> the guys who are working in the plant, they're turning the knobs, they're making it happen. And I'm, I'm really an introvert um, at my core. And so I'm minding my own business thinking that I'm just, you know, doing what I'm supposed to do. And the last week, uh, we happen to have, you know, some, some drinks after work and we're talking and, and the guys looked at me and they just were shocked. They go, you're so nice. And I'm like, I'm so nice. <laughs> and their whole thing was, we thought you were so stuck up. And I thought, wow. And I, that has really served me because I was, you know, again, if anything, a little on the painfully shy side, thinking I'm minding my own business and realizing that, gosh, people have a very different view of me than I do. And so grateful that people were willing to share it with me because otherwise I don't think I would have had that epiphany um, so early. So let me ask you, um, Brian, can you translate to your personal life this whole say it skillfully? I'm just wondering if you've had impact or how it's had impact for you um, outside of the, the office. Yeah, the it it has had huge impact, Molly. Um, simply because we we all know that we treat our families, um, we're safe in a family environment. So uh, a person like myself, I have a I have a bad temper, and uh, when I get frustrated at home, my temper comes to the forefront, and it's really helped me a great deal uh, to manage that. Um, and I'm much more skillful at that now than I used to be. Um, it's a matter of taking a breath, um, you know, going to a happy place for, and it only, it's a split second scenario to know and to understand that and to get that under control. As, as you can imagine, for example, my oldest son has just turned 15 and a half. So he has his learner's permit. And I went out for the very first time for a drive with him and his instructor had advised him to make sure that your mom or your father was comfortable when he was driving. And I, I kept promoting that to him. He says, make sure that I'm comfortable. Keep asking me if I'm comfortable. And he did one thing that startled me. And I just asked him, I said, dude, you need to pull over because I'm uncomfortable with what you just did. And I want to make sure that I go through that with you. And, and that was me managing my anger. And that wasn't anger in that situation. It was just frustration because I couldn't get it through to him that I needed him to go a little bit slower in the car. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> but it has helped me immensely. I love it. I love it. And those, you know, are really ultimately the most, most um, cherished relationships that we have. Uh, Brian, it's this, this, this whole show for me, this whole Say It Skillfully somewhat came out of of the blue. And I'll tell you, the biggest gift for me is just connecting with people like you who have the courage to really look at yourself, to be better, to be better for yourself and for those around you. Um, so I just, I just have to thank you. I mean, it's, it really brings just a giant smile to my face. Um, as we wrap here, do you have a top takeaway from our chat today? I think the top takeaway for me is the the simple fact that, you know, what you're doing is hugely valuable um, to, let's just say, society. And what I'm doing is equally valuable to me. It's so great. I am here for you. If I can ever be of more help, you let me know. We'll stay in touch. And uh, Brian, thank you for joining me on the show and always for being part of the solution. Super. Thank you, Molly.
Take care. We'll take a quick break now. You're listening to Say It Skillfully. I'm your host, Molly Chang. Stay tuned for more callers. And also we'll talk about how to get credit and recognition at work without sounding like you're bragging. I'll be back with you live shortly. comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Our sponsor for this show is CEO Works, the value coaching company. CEO Works is an executive advisory education company that advances the work of human capital. I've partnered with them on client projects, certified as a value coach myself, and seen the impacts firsthand. They have a unique approach to creating value quickly through talent by identifying the most critical roles designing the roles, then powering them up with the right incredible talent, their model coaches the ecosystem all around the talent to produce leaps in value. Their focus is not only on the talent, but also on the role-talent combination. The CEO Works team believes we can improve the world by improving business. I encourage you to find out more at ceoworks.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Say It Skillfully, featuring your host, Molly Chang. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or join the conversation on LinkedIn and Twitter with the hashtag, Say It Skillfully. Now back to your program. Welcome back. Our caller now is Gary in New York City. Excited to have you on the show today, Gary. Thanks for joining. Good morning, Molly. Thank you for having me on the show. So what uh, situation, what uh, conversation is on your mind? How can I help you? Well, first I want to say I'm a huge fan of your videos. I love say it skillfully. I've I've listened to pretty much all of them and I've learned so very much. I'm also very excited to see that you're branching out into podcasts and I I can't wait to see where this journey takes you. Um, My specific issue is how to deal with communicating when uh, the news is quote unquote bad For instance, you know, I work in an industry that's very performance oriented and you don't always meet your objectives and you have to manage your client or your boss or your customer in a way that you know is going to be impacting them in a negative way. What has been your experience on saying skillfully the message when it isn't up to par? Ooh, great question, Gary. Life is not unicorns and rainbows. It always doesn't work out the way we want. So I really appreciate your bringing this up. And thank you for your kind thoughts as well. So um, it's, it first is always about what's going on for the self. Then um, there can be feelings of just disappointment. There can be feelings of I didn't do enough. Whatever it is, it is a chance just to 
to, to really think about like what is going on for me and to get whole with that. Um, oftentimes, you know, high performance cultures, we're super hard on ourselves. We're in some ways our worst enemy on that. And so to give oneself permission to say, look, you did your best and really doing your best is what we really can ask for. You can't, you know, make the results, the results are the results are the results. So I would just offer getting oneself in a good headspace is important because as you get ready to deliver news, the ability to pick and select intentionally a meta skill and energy that you're going to exude for that conversation so that it goes the best way it can is important. And it's hard to change your own state if you're not in good relationship with it. So let's say you're a little bit nervous, um, uh, you're not really sure how it's going to go, and, and that's totally valid to be able to step back, let it go, take some breaths and say, look at how can I be in a state of calm um, is a really powerful starting point. Then the next step is thinking about that other person. Are they going to be shocked? Are they going to be not surprised? What, what would it be like for them? And to just feel that, that, that sense. And that's important because true connection is some, you can tell when someone really understands how you feel. They're, they're really genuinely empathetic. And so we haven't even said a word yet. These um, meta skill energy opportunities are really huge. So encourage that. Um, I did a video on this recently, and, and I do think being upfront about the situation is great. And it might be, you know, Margaret, I know you had high hopes. I had high hopes too. It didn't work out the way we had wanted. So that kind of a line telegraphs where you're going. And again, your energy is 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 kind of is matter of fact, but at the same time, a, a, a compassion and empathy that it's just not what I, what you'd want it to be. If you're afraid of coming across scary as I'm um, being defensive um, or making excuses, you can say, I'm going to explain the situation. And Margaret, I, I do not want to come across as defensive uh, or making any excuses. I just feel it will be helpful for us to learn if I um, lay it out um, the way I see it and, and, and I'm open for discussion. So I'll pause for a moment. How's that land for you? I think that's excellent. I, I think that's spot on advice right across the board. Um, let me, let me just follow up with this. Uh, <clears throat> how about preempting, you know, uh, how do you skillfully preempt expectations that you don't think can be realistically met? Uh, and you don't want to set yourself up and your partner up in this conversation for, possible disastrous end result. What are your, what, what are your suggestions there? That's also a great one. Thanks. 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 Okay. Um, I, if you can create a situation where the other person could relate to it, meaning their world is super effective because it's all kind of uh, like, not as real for them. Like this is Gary. This is this Gary guy's problem. He can, you know, turn mud into chocolate. It's not a problem. So the first thing is if you could, could come up with something that would land for them in their world. Have you ever had someone in your, you know, whatever business they're in, ask for something that's crazy, you know, um, what would that be? So that would be number one. Number two is another kind of metaphor 
um, you know, which is, you can even make a little joke, you know, you ever been asked to leap, leap tall buildings like Superman? And so, you know, a little lightness can help. And then you can turn it to, you know, in all seriousness, I see that you want to have X, Y, Z happen. And I, I, more than anything, want to be your partner in this and I want to make it work. So you show commitment. And then I would be remiss to not call out what I really, after however many decades of experience you have, I don't, it's, I don't see this working. And I'm happy to do stretch goals and I'm happy to reach for the stars, but I got to call it like I see it and I, I wouldn't be... I wouldn't be doing you a service if I didn't. And see where they land. And they may be like, you know, whatever. We don't want to. And you know what? If they really don't want to don't want to hear reality and at least talk to you and unpack it, well, Gary, why do you think that? What is it, where are our, what is it that we're not seeing that you're seeing? You know, engaging in a back and forth information sharing, then then you might question, is that the kind of relationship that can go the distance? Well, oh, that's a great point, Molly, and, and I, I appreciate that. But, you know, since you, you opened that door, and, and if I'm not taking too much time, let me just ask this follow-on question. How do you skillfully invite an, uh, an impossible client to find a better solution elsewhere? You know, how do you, how do you invite them to disengage without, you know, sounding like a jerk, pardon my French. This is great. And I actually had a friend ask me this, this the same question the other day. So the question is, how do you, how do you gracefully get a client to no longer be a client, basically? Um, so, so, so two things. One is a little less direct, and that can be just raising the bar on things that you know that they don't want to do. And so for some people, it's just crazy pricing, right? So some folks have the ability to leverage your pricing. They just make it so crazy pricing that the person isn't going to renew and will go away. And I think that's obviously ideal if you can do something like that because um, that just is an easy way for that person to, 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 to you know, move on. I think if you had to be, and I haven't had this my own in my own work where you have to, to, um, to be blunt and just say it's not a good relationship. So I think it might be that, you know, I, you, you honor the person as a person. And you're just up front, and this is not a personal thing, and I, I see how hard you work, and I appreciate the work that you're doing. So you, you advocate for that person as a person. And then say, you know, I have some choices to make. And it's not an easy one, but I really feel that, and I think if you can help the person make this experience a learning a person, a learning experience. So if the behaviors, for example, let's just say they're toxic and they're they're berating you and they're just they're just disrespectful, and, and you you can say, I, I don't know that you meant this, and I've tried to tell you, and come up with an example or two, and say, you know, for me these are things that I have to honor myself, and I and it's I just can't do my best work if this is the environment that we have and this is, you know, what's gone on for however many years. And so I'm going to ask us to just, you know, take the high road here. And I think we can, we can walk our separate ways. I'm happy to uh, offer you some other recommendations if you would like that. And I, um, I hope you understand. 
No, I think that's spot on. I think that's excellent. Um, well, have you had to do it, Gary? I'm curious you. what you've done when you when you've had the situation because it sounds like you have. It's it's very hard to do. I think it's a lot harder than than you realize. I mean, you you start off all huffy puffy, and, and uh, you can really very quickly devolve into this trap of you know just just terrible cliches of you know it's not you, it's me, et cetera, and so forth. And it, it just it's 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 horrible. So. Um, you know, I love the part about, you know, I'm, I'm just, you know, in, in order to honor myself in this relationship, you know, we, we might be better suited elsewhere. I think that speaks to both because the person you're communicating with is obviously not happy. I mean, the behavior is elicited because they're unhappy with something you're doing and you don't even know this and you haven't even gotten to why. So I, I think your approach is, is really very thoughtful and heartfelt um, thank you so very much for taking, taking time with me today. I know you've got a lot of content to get through, so I will, I will say goodbye. But again, I want to just say how happy I am that you're doing a podcast now. I can't wait to tune in every week and, and get smarter. I've, I've always been a big fan of the Say It Skillfully videos that are available on YouTube and LinkedIn. And uh, I wish you the very best, Molly. Thank you so much. You're great. Thank you, Gary, very much for joining, and I appreciate you being part of the solution. Take good care. Thank you, too. Bye-bye. I'm delighted now to welcome Michael. Michael from New York. Uh, welcome to the show, Michael. Hi, Molly. How is it going today? Thanks for having me. It's going great. Thank you, and I'm delighted uh, you're joining me. How can I help you? So um, I have a, a subject today, which is uh, you know, twofold. One is more uh, of a general question, and then I, I might go into a couple of details of where I experienced that myself. So the subject is accountability. And mm-hmm. to, to you know, draw a little picture here, so I, I work in cybersecurity. I work with, with companies and, and, and departments and what usually happens is when you are when you try to get through with a you know a, a plan of how to improve things, such as you know be be aware what you do at your workstations or higher up in the company, which department needs to do what. Um, you you can you know determine workloads or work packages to people and and you know um, organizational changes and so forth. But when it comes to um, the daily life, my experience is that although people know that what they should do sometimes for whatever reason they don't do it and i i always try and i'm i'm really not getting through it with with my attempt to to tell the people listen so th- this is the reason why we need to do this for example you know a very simple case you sit at your desk you get the spamming email you should get some awareness of what to do with it or not to do with it and people usually get training in companies you no know, once or twice a year but yet they are a little reluctant to follow that because they forget about it or they think it's not important. And what I try to stress when I talk to people is, listen, if, if you, let's say, you know, you're not careful with emails and you click on that link and you harm the company, it might not have a direct impact on you unless your boss might, you know, might, might throw you a, a little nasty view. But in the long run, it damages the company. So, you should you should feel accountable of your actions in general and 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 always be aware of that so down the road 
um, you, you take responsibility for your own work area, and that overall improves the situation and understanding of the company. Um, my, my feeling is that people more and more, you know, think, "Oh, I have a, I have a supervisor, I have a manager. It's it's their cup of tea to do whatever needs to be done. I'm only working here. I get my paycheck." So I, I try to find a way, and that's why I hope to get some input from you. How to encourage people and how to, you know, enlighten that little fire of, hey, I have my own control of what I can do and, and accountability is not a duty. It's, it's rather a, um, you know, a, a powerful thing, which is in my own realm of what I can do. So but my question to you is what, what would be a good approach to further, you know, encourage that? Thank you, Michael. So I'll summarize. The question is around, uh, enforcing accountability when it's just not people aren't naturally going there, and how do you get folks to to ultimately do the right actions? So um, right, but yeah. sorry, I need I need to add a little bit. So, but not in not as early. Oh, I order you to do something, yeah. but more of a I, I throw something at people so that they do it, you know, out of their own will because they they think it makes sense and it, they, they thrive on it. So I just yeah. wanted to add that. Sorry. Yes, thank you. That's great clarification. So it's that creating the self-interest for people to want to be accountable to do the right thing. Um, and I think the the key thing there's there's always the whole, right? So ideally, in companies, people really want the whole to succeed. And for the leaders who've done a great job with that, and there's many, you know, it's very clear to people why we're here, and we obviously are here. So the whole team. Um, does its best work. And in those cases, being really clear on the why it matters and the negative impact when actions um, don't happen can be helping people. They may just not know. You may not realize this, but if you do such and such, it really hurts the whole. So that might be an educational standpoint if you think it's an educational um, gap. Okay. Now, oftentimes I just get back to the fact that, you know, we're all, we're all in it for our own self-interest. Okay. Let's see we have to, we're about, we're just, we're worried about number one here. And so a way to create the self-interest and, and uh, I'll quote uh, a, a mentor of mine, you know, um, transparency breeds self-correcting behavior. And so the opportunity is to help the whole system for people to see, you know, the actions and the impacts. So if there's, um, let's just say, let's just say people are clicking on these spam mails. You know, they're they're sucked into it. They're not thinking right, and obviously they're not trying to hurt the company, but they're clicking on spam mails, and it's really putting the the system at risk. So the ability to just track, hey, here's, just so everyone knows, be upfront. This is a real damaging action for the company, for these reasons. I mean, people will nod their heads, yeah. In, and just acknowledge we haven't had as much success as we like. So I'm going to to create an opportunity for us all to be part of the solution here. And so let folks know you're going to be tracking, uh, you know, the, the hits or, or names so that people can start to see. We know people aren't open these, um, you know, because they want to hurt the company, but it is kind of happening. So to help us all, we're just going to create a dashboard and transparency and we're going to show the names, you know, so you're kind of upfront letting them know. And people do not want to show up on the, my name is on a bad list, for example. So the ability to help right. folks to see what's going on, no judgment here. In fact, the assumption 
of positive intent, right? That in fact, I'm, I, you know, we're doing this because we know everyone wants to do the right thing, but obviously it's, it's challenging. We're all busy. Sometimes we're not really thinking clearly. Does that type of thing apply? Do you think that sort of um, activity would help? It would it would give a nice a good, a good example, and of course the anonymity, uh, which is not not giving any or showing any names, and people prob probably and I have experienced that myself recognize themselves on, on on some metrics. That would definitely raise the the uh, the awareness. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, can you um, give us a little more color? Because obviously it's been a challenge. What are some of the responses that people do give you, Michael, and how have you been handling those? The, again, it's probably a repetition of what I said earlier is, um, well, you know, I, they, they don't feel that much included in companies, which comes back to, you know, say it skillfully and we are all in it for uh, together. They feel more of, okay, I'm a workhorse here in the company. They give me a paycheck and that's about it. So they don't feel necessarily too much included or, or, um, uh, responsible to the company, you know. The, it's probably a, a bigger field of of how you manage people to to make them feel you know important which they are and include them more in what's what's going on yes you know thanks for raising this so let's just say it people don't have um, they're not having a great experience at work and you're here we are the reality is they're not having a great experience they really just want to check in and check out your ability to to create um, a relationship, Michael, where you understand and have them heard, even if it's you know within your small group, maybe you're not affecting the whole organization, but you might give a try to folks to say, you know, what's going on for you? Oh, I'm this, and give people a chance to vent, and 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 then say, you know, what would you want to have happen? And you know, people don't. I mean, some people want to complain. Okay, so let's take those folks aside. But giving folks a chance, of what would it look like? And say, you know, let's, in, in our small world here, I have a, an opportunity. What if, what if, and give them a vision and a way to be, have some meaning and to have created a different relationship from you other than I need you to do X, right? But that you hear them uh -huh. um, and that you empathize with them and, um, that I just offer that that might be something to try um, and see how that changes the impact. Yeah, that that sounds that sounds very good. Yeah, I mean, we now that I think about it, there are not enough forums or occasions to let people speak up, even if you know you can't follow through on each or each and every suggestion of what can be improved. But um, really, it's, it's kind of an awakening moment now for me to look back and say, oh, my God, we, we should have given the people much more, you know, opportunity to, to you know, voice, to voice their concerns about certain things that, that are going on. Yeah. Okay. Good, good, good awareness there. Michael, I appreciate your uh, joining me today. And thank you for being part of the solution. And reach out if I can be of any more help. Okay. Thank you very much for your time, Molly. Great, great movement. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Okay, our last caller will be Vandana. We welcome Vandana to the show. Hi, Molly. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. How can I help you? So, Molly, um, uh, I've been hearing your shows, and uh, uh, 
it's pretty interesting. You're also a Marshall Goldsmith coach, and even I am. Uh, we come from the same school. Uh, however, uh, I'm really curious to share uh, a triggering curiosity that I have with me uh, uh, to discuss it out, and probably it will benefit a lot more uh, uh, listeners. Uh, so, uh, we human beings uh, typically, uh, as leaders, love in our business lives or corporate lives, we love to uh, mentor others and get onto the head of, uh, uh, you know, guiding others without understanding where the person is coming from. So, what is the core essence behind the person's? typical behaviors or the dilemmas that they are going through. And still we want to go and advise, suggest, and mentor our people in our organization. And many a times it goes against uh, the good side. So uh, what do you really suggest uh, how uh, it can be really changed uh, with the way uh, mentoring happens in the organization. So just so I understand, Manana, the question is how can mentoring better serve the mentees versus the mentor? Yeah. Yes, because mentor, many a times, they, they come with the wisdom and the experience. And they want to just share and guide their mentees on every possible uh, uh, thing that they have from their uh, knowledge side or their experiences. However, many a times they fail to understand uh, it may may not help the mentee because we we fail to understand what the mentee is going through at this uh, specific in that specific situation that they're going through. Yeah, so I'll, I'll pose this squarely on the relationship of both. And so it is a joint responsibility for the mentee and the mentor to work out mm-hmm. for them what's going what's gonna to help them thrive. And that notion of meeting each other where we are is a really important one. And not to oversimplify, but right at the start, the ability... Um, and the mentor, we would, we would want to offer this, being perhaps the more senior person, but every mentee is empowered to say, you know, I'm thrilled, I'm grateful for this relationship. And for me, here's what I think will make it most successful. Here's what success would look like and vice versa. And just to co-create that. And it's literally that basic. And lots of times people jump into relationships without having um, agreed what is going to be fruitful for both of us. Um, and then also mm-hmm. when we're not doing what we said we were going to do, how are you going to handle it? Does that make sense? Yeah, I think that will also help the ego state to be under control. Yeah, that's for sure. What's uh, the, that's because, for sure a, a, a huge opportunity. Mentors do come into the ego state when they are giving the wisdom and they want to say everything that they feel is right. Yes. Yeah, that's for sure. I'm going to wrap early on this one because I had uh, one request. I'm going to answer one email question, Vanena. Do you have a particular top takeaway you'd like to share? Uh, uh, from our, your today's show? Yes, please. 
Oh, thank you, Molly. It was wonderful. I've been listening to the entire show today and um, having um, uh, talking about different values and uh, acceptance and um, challenges in business and how to say no at times. Uh, uh, you you really shared through a lot of light towards uh, on all these different directions and different areas, and it was quite a lot insightful. So it it makes us more empowered with um, uh, knowledge and ideas to work the way we can in our business lives. That's Thank fantastic. you so much. Thank you. You take good care. Thanks for being part of the solution, Vandana. Thank you. Okay. So my last question, I wanted to have um, answer what Daniel had posed a few weeks back, and it was, how do I take credit? Uh, at work, I don't want to sound like I'm bragging, or rather, how do I brag tactfully? And this is so important to be able to self-promote um, in a positive way. And it, I'll start with the fact that it is about yourself and, and thinking about what does bragging sound like? And really asking yourself, is it a limiting belief? If sharing factually you know, what I've done and how I've done it comes across as bragging or is it a, is a bad thing, that's an opportunity to rewire that limiting belief for yourself. Um, and the mindset can be, as you're working with other people, is creating this shared reality. It doesn't serve your boss or your organization if the organization or boss don't know who did what and, and, and how it all happened. So it's not about boasting. It's about really no, thinking about it as education. So if you can take the lens of I'm educating people um, they're not going to know if you don't tell them. Um, that's, that's a real way to st just, just think about it. And I would just reference Roger Federer, who could finish a match and say, I did this, I did that, I served great, da, da, da. He was very matter-of-fact, and not in a high ego way, but just sharing that that was the reality. So I just offer for folks to try that. Um, and Daniel, you can ping me if you want to talk a little bit more about that. Uh, we'll wrap our show today. I really thank you um, for tuning in. Please reflect on your own top takeaways. Know that I'm cheering for you to be who you are, to say what needs to be said, so that you and all those around you have a shared reality. Homelessness is a problem that's more costly to ignore than solve. The U.S. spends $12 billion a year responding, but resources alone aren't enough. I'd like you to know there are cities and counties proving what does work. Partnering with Community Solutions, a nonprofit I'm on the board of, more than 80 communities around the country are succeeding in ending homelessness, beginning with chronic and veteran homelessness. They convene local leaders around data and are changing how they work and spend their resources. So homelessness becomes rare. More than half have already reduced the number of people experiencing chronic and veteran homelessness with commitment to get to zero. What can you do? Visit www.built40.org and see whether your community is engaged. Contact your mayor and ask, do you know the number of people experiencing homelessness in real time? Do you know every homeless person by name? What are you doing to drive measurable reductions in homelessness? Please challenge the fiction that says homelessness is an intractable problem. Thanks for listening to Say It Skillfully with host Molly Chang. Join us again for more ways to say it skillfully next Tuesday, 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. 
Follow Molly on LinkedIn and Twitter. Check out SayItSkillfully.com and sign up so you don't miss her latest 